and welcome to Crying in the Book Club, a brand new hit podcast where three emotional friends talk about comic books and graphic novels and manga that make them emotional. I am your host, Emily, today, and I am here with my co-hosts, John Luke. Hello. Hello. And Alex. Hello. And we, are, we are here uh, for, this is technically our second episode for Pride Month, was going to be our first episode for Pride Month, but then we got a release date for Nimona, so that episode is coming out before this. We are talking about Alison Bechdel's autobiographical graphic novel, Fun Home. What does that have a lot to of do? Fun. It's a lot of fun. It's so much fun. That, read, that home was a blast, in my I, opinion. I, I read this and Genderqueer next to each other, and just like... I actually still haven't read... I'm, You know, we're doing Genderqueer uh, next episode, and I still have not started it, because I read all of Fun Home today. The, vi- the vibes are different. The vibes are different. But only one of them's banned, so... Well, you know, Fun Home, fun home has also been challenged, but it has not been... It has not been quite so intensely the focus of uh, book banning or attempted book banning as genderqueer. Because uh, I guess it's not, it's not trans enough. Fun Home did have like 15 years of book bannings before genderqueer even came That's out. True. That's you true. You are correct. But I think in terms of like the concentration, like genderqueer definitely like got more in the space of like three or four years than than fun home did in yeah it's all in the timing like if fun home had come out at the same time as genderqueer it would probably be uh equally subject to that scrutiny it just happened to come out in 2006 when i mean people were not like normal about gay people but they were not uh they were not as insane about gay and trans people, perhaps, as things are right now. I don't know. It's hard to really... It's an apples and oranges, I think, in terms of bigotry. The other thing you have to remember is that, like, people who do book bannings are tend to be very stupid. So if they see a book called Fun Home, they're not going to read it. And they're going to assume it's about, like, a home that's fun. Like, it's like... A well, and they also house. haven't read Genderqueer. Uh, they just right. saw the title. Well, that's... That's my point, though, right? Is that like gender queer in the title says it's about you know gender uh, ideology or whatever. So they're more willing to. Do, oh yeah, that has to be bad without reading it. You know. Fun so my home. brain's maybe it's my fun. brain's a little depraved. Um. So hear me out if this makes sense. Not well. Nothing you can do about it, really. But um. So fun home is like Suicide Squad, right? With David Ayer, whereas gender queer is like the Suicide Squad. You know. I feel like that's very. Rude. Fun and both bombed in the box office of bigotry you know <laughs> well i would say they did very well at the box office of bigotry in terms they did of like, well in the box of office of bigotry. i refuse to abide comparing this book to suicide squad <laughs> directed by david well Ayer. okay well, no, here's the thing suicide squad directed by david ayer oscar winning movie fun home by allison bechdel eisner award-winning comic book Huh? I hate We're you cooking. So We're cooking. Much. I hate you so much. <laughs> this is this is homophobia that you're doing to me right now. 
this is homophobia. I, look, I'm not equating like I, I think the category that Fun Home won was like it's uh, like best auto bio and Suicide Squad won like best makeup and hairstyling. Not saying those are on the same level. I'm just saying that in their respective industries, they've both been honored at the highest level. You know, yeah, like w- when we're up at the pearly gates in front of you know the good lord. He's gonna just say how many, how many, how many you awards you have. You think any of us are going before the Good Lord? <laughs> how many awards you have? And it's like, well, did you listen to the comics podcast? You still can. We stopped anyway. paying for that. We stopped paying. I mean, I didn't pay for it, but I w- That's a different conversation. But you, you can still listen to it. Comics podcast. Anyway, so we're here to talk about Fun Home, a comic book, a, a graphic novel. Um, it was written by uh, Allison Bechdel, and as previously stated, is autobiographical. Her motivation for writing Fun Home was to reflect on why things turned out the way they did in her life. Uh, she reflects on her father's untimely death and whether she would have made different choices if she were in his position. The process of writing Fun Home required many references to literary works and archives to both accurately write and draw the scenes. Uh, as she wrote the book, she would reread the sources of her literary references, which is insane to me, Re- like rereading the whole book uh, just to make a reference. Uh, I never did that for any of my uh, research papers in college, which, uh, I mean, she's a better scholar than I ever would be. I mean, I can't imagine doing that with Ulysses in particular. Like, <laughs> God, yeah, that sounds miserable. But the attention to detail in her references led to the development of each chapter having a different literary focus, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, On the process of writing the book, uh, she says it was a huge project. It took six or seven years of drawing and excavating. Uh, She sort of felt like she was living in a trance. Uh, She began each page by creating a framework in Adobe Illustrator on which she would put text and draw rough figures. She used extensive photographic evidence and for many panels posed for each human figure herself using a digital camera to record her poses, which is a technique that I used when I was drawing in like middle and high school. Uh, But now I'm lazy and I just use Google images. Uh, She also painstakingly copied by hand many family photographs, letters, local maps, excerpts from her own childhood journal, uh, incorporating these images into the narrative. After using these reference materials, uh, she would copy the line art illustration onto a plate finish Bristol board for uh, to make the final inked page, which would then be scanned into her computer and finished in Photoshop. Uh, she attributes this detailed creative process to her fairly controlled obsessive compulsive disorder, which is a uh, big topic in the book. And normally I wouldn't have gone into such detail, but I just think like the process by which she, I didn't realize how complicated the process was when I was reading the book to begin with. And I just thought it was kind of cool. Sort of like the painstaining painstaking process to make Margot Robbie look like Harley Quinn. God, I'm, I hate you so much. She's a blonde, whereas Harley Quinn's more like a, a cotton candy. Is that a is that a hair color? This is homophobia that you're doing to me. 
Uh, the narrative of Fun Home is non-linear and recursive. Incidents are told and retold in light of new information or themes. The memoir focuses on Alison Bechdel's family and is centered on her relationship with her father, Bruce. Bruce was a funeral director and high school English teacher in the town where they grew up and where he also grew up. Uh, the book's title comes from the family nickname for the funeral home, which serves as the family business. The phrase also refers, ironically, to Bruce's tyrannical domestic rule. Her dad was kind of a dick. His uh, two occupations are reflected in Fun Home's focus on death and literature. Uh, his obsessive need to restore the house is connected to his emotional distance from his family, which he expresses in coldness and abusive, occasional abusive bouts of rage. This emotional distance is uh, connected to his being a closeted homosexual. He had homosexual relationships in the military and with some of his high school students. Uh, some of those students were also family friends and babysitters. Uh, at the age of 44, two weeks after his wife requested a divorce, he stepped into the path of an oncoming bread truck and was killed in the impact. Although the evidence is equivocal, Allison concludes that her father died by suicide. The story also deals with uh, Bechdel's own struggle with her sexual identity, reaching catharsis in the realization that she is a lesbian and uh, her subsequent coming out to her parents. The memoir frankly examines her sexual development, including transcripts from her childhood diary, anecdotes about masturbation, and tales from her first sexual experiences with her girlfriend, Joan. So that's Fun Home. How did we do with Fun Home? Uh, were either of you familiar with this before? John, I think you said you've read it or had yeah. read it. Yeah, uh, it was an early comic that I read along with, you know, like, mouse and persepolis and some of the other similar books that i feel like were really popular in the like early 2000s in this sort of like uh black and white cartoony autobiographical vein um but yeah I, i'd read this before I, I haven't revisited it since i don't know how old i was when i read it maybe 14 or 15 uh so it was i have some some there are some interesting things about going back to it that i think uh having been so immersed in comics for you know the last 10 years gave me kind of a different perspective on on this book uh than i than i had before but yeah i'd i'd, I'd read it previously uh i i was you know familiar with it obviously like familiar with some of bechdel's other stuff as well yeah i was gonna ask uh, what your so. your familiarity with bechdel's other work was yeah, I haven't read all of it. I read that book that she put out. I it's been a few years now, but something. But it was. Uh, oh God, I'm pulling up the Wikipedia page because I can't remember the name. Is it the one about uh, exercise? Yeah, the secret to superhuman strength. That one. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I did that read one. that one. Yeah, there's there's some other stuff like there's a lot of like a lot of her books I've like meant to read for a long time. Like I've never read the essential dykes to watch out for. But it's like been on my list for a while. Same with like, are you my mother? And a few other ones, you know, there, there's like a, there's a, I, like, I'm familiar with a bunch of her books, but like, you know, have not read as extensively as I would like to. Sure. Yeah. So and what about you, Alex? Um, <clears throat> I've never up until now read Fun Home and my only experience slash knowledge of uh, the, the, the author is the Bechdel test. So <laughs> yay. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I, I've been slowly working my way through Dykes to Watch Out For for the past couple of years, uh, which it's not even that long, but I just, like, keep uh, picking it up and putting it down, but I, I quite, quite enjoy it. Dykes to Watch Out For is extremely good. Uh, but I had read Fun Home before this. I read it a few years ago, uh, I mean, much, much later than John Luke, and, uh, I was excited about picking it for uh one of our pride month episodes i figure it's you know one of the like essential lesbian graphic novels so you know like what what better for what was supposed to be our first pick for pride month yeah there was a uh clue in the new york times crossword that referenced queer lit and the answer was fun home or maybe it was the other way around fun home was in the clue and the answer was queer lit so I feel like the New York Times has has validated our choice. When was that? Uh, to do Fun Home. Uh, well, that would have been August 18th or something like that. Uh, I can go back and look at the crossword. Well, I was we, just curious. We, you know, as you know, we re- we record this like. Yeah, I was just curious. Yeah, I um I like this book a lot. I'm a sucker for autobio comics, and I like I said I like Alison Bechdel to begin with. So uh, this was always going to be a slam dunk for me. Um, what did you guys? What did you think, Alex, for your first read, your first exposure to uh to Bechdel's writing? Uh, how how was this? I uh on on the whole on the whole I liked it. I thought that her her art was um was did a really good job in 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 the autobiographical sort of um space, I guess. And and just hearing the story of how she did it and like the painstaking processes she did was like, oh, okay, very very cool. Um, so I appreciate that from the art perspective. Um, I thought the actual the story was good. Some of the going back and forth I didn't really love. Um, just in terms of like pacing and stuff, and it got a little bit muddled and things. Um, but the overall. I, th- I think it really does stick the landing and it's weird to say it sticks the landing because it's like, you know, it's real life also. So it's like, great job. Um, but yeah, I'm glad uh, glad you recommended it. Yeah. It, in coming up with discussion questions for this book, I kind of struggled because there are questions that I would ask, you know, if this were a fictional work that I don't, you know, because this is, these are real people, I don't really feel comfortable asking <laughs> Uh, so I, it, it took me, uh, it took me like a full 20 minutes to come up with discussion questions and I still don't really feel like I, I still don't really feel like I did much, but, uh, John, you said that you had some, like some new perspective on this book since the first time you read it. I really want to hear about that. Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, the big thing is that like reading it this time, I, sort of came to the conclusion that I don't think comics or was the greatest medium for what Bechdel was trying to do here. Like, I think... <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, like seriously, like I, I, I obviously really admire the, her, like the detail that she puts into, that she put into the art and the work that went into it. And I think that, you know, her style is, is definitely really evocative. I, I just feel like this this book doesn't take as much advantage of the comic book medium as I think it could uh just because like there's there's very little motion it's almost more like a picture book in some ways in the sense and not I and that sounds mean I don't mean it as as a mean thing um because like there are 
like lines of narration and then images that are just showing those lines of narration. And yes, there's some like acting that goes into drawing the character's facial expressions and properly like conveying their body language. But I feel like using comics for that is kind of like it does. A, it's there's a little bit of like lost potential in terms of what you can do with con in the comic book medium in doing a story like this and just selling it straight. What I did really like, um, and not I'm not trying to like you know Monday morning quarterback Allison Bechdel of all people, but like I really like the sections of this book that feel like kind of scrapbooky and collage like where she puts in like she puts in snippets of like letters and uh excerpts from from books that she was reading at that time and from her own diary and then lays sort of sketches over those or lays narration over the top of those like those were the most evocative parts of it structurally for me like those are the moments where i felt like oh okay this, this, what she's doing here is actually really compelling in terms of her analysis of like her experience growing up uh, in a way that just like, I don't think that what she does with the comics medium is really quite getting there. And that's something that like, I, what I really liked about this book when I was in, I don't know, late middle school or early high school. when I read it was that like, it kind of just felt like reading a novel and there was part of me that's like, yeah, that's what serious comics are. It's, it's like when you read a novel, but there's like pictures. That's the DC comics style of like, let's, Let's vomit words. Sure. Well, it, I, I wouldn't say this is this is definitely different than that because I, I I think that what she's doing requires like a certain amount of like words per page to like fully like to fully dissect what she's doing. Like to be clear, this isn't like when I get really pissed off at superhero comics because there's people fighting on the page and the writer's like, "What if I put eight paragraphs of word balloons over this?" It's not. It's not really the same critique, but now my perspective on it, having read comics for so long, because back then would have been around the time I started reading comics, probably only been reading for a year or two, if that. Um, I feel like I just feel like there's so much that you can do with the medium that to just basically have pictures with narration is uh, underselling the uh, underselling its potential. So, yeah, I, I, I do agree. Like, on yeah, like. I think there is farther it could have gotten, but I also feel like in terms of like, I don't think this, this would have made a full length film and I don't think it would have made a full length book. Um, just the way it goes and the way it goes back and the way, you know, plays with perspective and does that. So I think as a medium comics fits for it, but I don't think it elevates the medium of comics in the way it uses the art, the way, you know, the storytelling of that, I think it's, you know, well-written and I think it flows well and it's like, it's good, but it's not like, something where you're like wow this this was a story that needed to be told in comics i think it's a story that is told well in comics but not you know i i absolutely agree with that alex to be clear like i'm not saying that like it's a poorly told story or that bechdel is a bad yeah. writer or a bad artist yep. i think she's like both of those are very good i to me it's just not the most compelling use of the medium which is why like i specifically highlighted that I, how much like i like the scrapbooks like i like the times when the book leans into sort of being a multimedia project that those are the parts of it that i find the most compelling um yeah i don't really disagree with you i just like have i guess uh I don't know if lower standards is the way to say it, but like, I'm just a sucker for like any sort of like auto bio type comic, even like I like stuff like, uh, 
like Nate Stevenson's uh the fire will never go out or whatever it's called. I'm sorry. I don't remember, but uh, it like, it's even less of a comic than something like this. It's mostly like a lot of like illustrations with like writing. And I just, I'm, I'm just kind of a sucker for any of that sort of like auto bio, like people writing in their own hand and also illustrating things to go along with it. So uh, even if this doesn't like, really fully utilize the medium of comics I still really enjoy it just because I like uh any sort of illustrated autobio uh content oh I shouldn't I I don't want to use the word content to refer to <laughs> Allison Bechdel but you know what I mean to, yeah no to your last point about the like hand-drawn and like handwritten aspect of it that is something that i actually that is a a, a trick that i really like in autobio comics oh yeah they don't feel like it, it's actually kind of interesting that she's put so much time into like recreating photos and po- and like modeling for herself because there is like a rough edge to this that makes it feel way more like her just sketching out her experiences rather than something that is like heavily like polished uh for a medium um so i i agree with you that i in in autobio comics like i do really like when writers go that route um i do also think that like the i'm not familiar with that uh nate stevenson book that you referenced but from your description of it like i don't think you would like it (laughs) I mean that you know. No, just that's in general. That's just, that's, that's I, just a general <laughs> statement. Uh, yeah. Just. I just think that there's a sort of I don't know conception that like you can't like make picture books for adults basically, and that like if you want to do like in any kind of like illustrated literature, like ever since like the 80s, it's like you have to do comic. Like you can do that. You can actually do that in comics. Like is the perception at least that there's like, you know, a serious market for like indie comics that are actually like literary and for adults, which, you know, I, I like a lot of those books. I think that's really dumb though, that like, if like, if you want to do something that is just like a picture book, like I think that that's fun, like that there's a way to do that. That's like really compelling. That is not quite comics, not quite, you know, kids novel books, but that's neither here nor there. That's just, it, it just occurred to me because you brought, because of that specific example that you brought up. Um, I will say the one aspect of the multimedia stuff I don't like, uh, she definitely should have cleaned up her dad's handwriting and some of those letters. Oh, to her I, mom. some of those, some of those I just straight up did not read. I, yeah, like, I won't I, even those lie. Those were just pure pain. Like, I, I get that it's like, it is like a bit of character that he's like scribbling them out in like moments of passion. And I like that, but. It would be nice to have like a, like a little subtitle at least. Cause then you keep, you know, you, you, you keep the whole, like, it's authentic. This is actually what my dad did. But like, what did he say? Just like a footnote or an appendix, like at the back of the book that you can go to and like read it out in text. So it's like, oh, okay. That I and, and I think that would be charming. I think that'd be like a little charming. I, I, and, you I know. agree it would be charming. But spending like five minutes reading one panel just trying to decipher it was a little I absolutely just gave up. I was like, you know what, I get the gist. Like it's fine. But I will say and I think it's a credit to how well she works the literary references in that I was reading every single word and every single line when she included like a bit from a novel or something. Cause I'm like, Oh, this is important in some way because it's informing her experience. And I loved that aspect of the book and probably appreciated that a lot more. Now that's the other part 
that I've actually read some of these books or, well, in some cases, red is generous. I've never finished Ulysses. I've tried twice and I, oh, I you're can't do braver it. Than me. But, you know, so like, you know, some of the other stuff that gets referenced, like I've, I've read like a lot of like Fitzgerald and, and stuff, other, other books that get referenced. So like I, that also like it informs my experience with this book a little bit more. Yeah, that was uh, one of my uh, discussion questions was, uh, did did either of you struggle with any of the literary illusions? Was there anything that like you were unfamiliar with that made uh, for a like harder time understanding what was going on, etc.? I mean, the answer can be no. You have another question about this, but I, so that I'm kind of going to preempt. But for me, it's just like all the queer literature that she reads at the end is the stuff I'm not familiar with. Like some of them, when when she when you see like the titles of the books, I'm like, oh, that sounds vaguely familiar. Like I've heard it in passing, but I couldn't tell you what it's about. But no, like the the rest of the literary stuff, like it's either stuff that like and, and in a sense, it's like you know, I, I, not that I, I believe that this is like actually her autobiographical story, but there is something that's nice about a lot of the works that she specifically references having like worked their way into popular culture and are now like, if you are familiar with books, you kind of have an awareness of them that maybe like wasn't the case in the eighties, seventies, or eighties. Well, Sorry, it, no, 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 I was interrupting. Um, it, it's no mistake that you know her dad was an English teacher, so like the a lot, a lot. Of they the, don't change those books a lot. Yeah, like, <laughs> like a lot of the tech, a lot of the texts that she would probably be exposed to are ones that are just like part of regular curriculum. <laughs> I mean, it also helps that my mom is an English teacher. Exactly. So, you know, See, that's... yeah. But yeah, my, uh, you, I, I can bring up this question because I feel like I already know the answer to it. You alluded, uh, my, to my question, had you heard of any of the books Bechdel reads during her Odyssey of Lesbian Discovery? I, I, I gave some examples, uh, Ruby Fruit Jungle, Orlando, The Well of Loneliness, Desert of the Heart, etc. I have not, but the titles are great. I like each one. I was like, nice. Well, actually, yeah. They, when I saw these panels again, uh, because the first time I read this, I had not taken, uh, I took a, a gay and lesbian like history class in uh, college as part of my uh, gender studies minor. And like seeing all these books, it's really like a playing the hits of lesbian literature. Like I was just really, I was very delighted to see most of these titles because it really is like, we're just going through the classics, baby. Like this is what she was doing was the literary equivalent of when I was in high school and would go on my mom's blockbuster mail dvd account and i would just look up the wikipedia page for like films with lesbians in them and just add movies to my mom's subscription list and like they would come in the mail and they would have like innocuous titles so i would just bring them back to my room and watch them she was alison bechdel was doing the smart person version of my odyssey of lesbian discovery <laughs> And it, it was uh, very funny for me. But um, Alex, how did you feel about like it, it, just going back to like the literary references? Like, did you? Yeah. Did the, you struggle uh, with any of those? The, the ones I read, I was like, oh, cool. And the ones I had read, I was like, cool. Um, I definitely like, you know, I definitely like skimmed through some of the some of the texts as it was going as they're mentioning it for like the fourth time. And it's like it's important to it. But I'm also like, I don't I don't really care. 
uh, at this point. I feel I feel like it was a matter of getting the gist. Um, so no, there were absolutely so many moments where I was like, yeah, I get like what you're I'm picking up what you're putting down. I don't have to read every word of this. In a world where I was getting paid like a salary to make this podcast, I would have read all the books beforehand. Oh my gosh, that would be Oh yeah, man, yeah. But that would, that kind of, that could have been fun, honestly. How much of a salary are we talking? Like like are you talking about like like a median like a median like 50 or 60k like but you have to remember that what a, like I'll read a lot of books for like 50k a year other tasks I no, I won't do them for 50k a year, but You hear that employers? Pay the man. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I do. I am currently unemployed. I shouldn't say that on a podcast. <laughs> but if you have an awesome job where I can read books. Uh, Maybe if you're know. lucky, you'll be employed by the time this comes out. It's 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 possible, I suppose. But no, I do think it would have been fun to read all the, the source material or at least like some of it to like, I think it, I do think it would like, I, I think she does a really good job of like getting across at least thematically how those books tie into like what she, her, her like own journey, like journey of self-discovery, like, you know, with, with Ulysses and, and um, with the, the Camus book about, uh, I'm playing on the, I, I've actually read that one, the guy pushing the boulder up the uh, Sisyphus uh, the Yeah. One must imagine. Sisyphus we must imagine happy. Sisyphus happy. I, I, yeah. I hate that book, but I I, <laughs> I, I, I think that like the way that, you know, it, it, like even if I hadn't read it, and I think this is definitely true for like Ulysses, for instance, which I've never finished, like the way she works them in and, and connects them to her own life is clear enough that I think you don't really need like a, you know, you don't really need to have read them in full and done like the full like literary analysis before you read this to, to really grasp what she's trying to say. Yeah. But I mean, I'm sure if I'd read, if I'd read them all, there'd be an extra layer of like, Oh yeah. Cool. 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 Do you guys want to know what my favorite literary reference was? Harry Potter. Sure. No, was it James and the giant peach? Uh, no, but that oh, one was really that was good. good. That, was, that good. was really good. That was good. That's uh, our next book for book club. <laughs> No, my favorite literary reference, and I did take a screenshot. Um, she's talking about Odysseus, and it's uh, in a scene where she's like performing oral sex on her girlfriend, and she says, "In true heroic, in true heroic fashion, I moved toward the thing I feared. Yet while Odysseus schemed desperately to escape Polymephus's cave, I found that I was quite content to stay here forever. And in particular, the cave that she is referring to is is vagina. It is vagina. <laughs> that, that that reference is very similar to the James and the Giant Peach reference. It is extremely it's similar to the James and the Giant Peach reference, and I think both of them are hilarious and great. And I, I think it's really. I I have to say, real really, the image of like reading James and the Giant Peach during sex is just so funny. I, like, it's so I, funny. I, I, it, I laughed. I laughed. It's I like so genuine. All right. Yeah. That I found that very funny. Uh, yeah, they're like for such a like dour book. Uh, there are so many moments that are just fucking hilarious. Well, that's part of like I mean that's part of like portraying the life of a teenager and adolescent like young adult, right? Oh like, yeah. There's just so many things you do at those the ages that sh she is in this book mm -hmm. that are just like in retrospect kind of goofy. Oh yeah. Uh, 
like, but in the moment feel obviously very meaningful, but like, that's, that's how I feel about like some of like the diary stuff. Like, and I feel like that's the tone that she has with it too, mm-hmm. especially like the early diary stuff where she's like, Oh, I was just, you know, basically writing things that happened in the day, but it was like meaningful. Like it meant something to me, but it's like, it is kind of funny mm-hmm. that like, Oh yeah. Like that's all you were doing, but you know, stuff like that. Yeah. I uh, did you, did either of you ever keep a diary? I had well, I mean, I had like a writing writing journal. Yeah. That then, like you know, something happens in my day, and then I'd write something about it, not necessarily about the day, but about like, you know, the impact of that. It's a lot of bad poetry from high school. That that's that's what it mostly is. And if, if if we get three more subscribers this week, I'll read it live on the show. That's the equivalent of my old AO3 account that I remembered <laughs> the password for long enough to delete everything, and then oh, the well played, so. oh, beautiful. well played. He's a smart, he's a smart, smart man there. No, I, I was always like terrified that if I had a diary that someone would find it. So like, I like, I had a couple attempts at keeping a diary, but like, just, I like kind of gave up because I was too scared someone would find it. I will say there were moments of like such emotional, like there were so intensely emotional when I was in high school that I would like write them down in my school planner and like write, like write about them in there and so but i never not like it wasn't like a regular diary so no that's even that's even more of that's even cooler because you didn't even like it's like you were so ready for an emotional uppers but you didn't have a diary near you and you're just like doing that so yeah (laughs) i wrote one entry after i read day tripper for the first time oh that's so funny so good yeah yeah um how did you guys feel about the limited color palette? This is not the first limited palette uh, book that we have read. Uh, Laura, Laura Dean keeps breaking up with me is like very pink. And I feel like, um, what, what was it? Our one summer, this one summer, this one summer I feel like it didn't it also have like a limited palette. It did. It was actually more similar to the, to the fun home color palette in terms of it was like mostly black and white, but a little bit of blue, like some hues of blue. I, I, I love when comics do this. I mean, sculptor, which is one of my favorite comics. It's not autobiography, obviously, but it's just like, I, I love when it's stripped though, away. Autobi- yeah. Kind of autobio. Like it's, but I mean, he, yeah, it's, yeah, I guess it, but like you know, he didn't like meet death. As his it's, grandfather. it's not like a straight well, autobiography. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. No, but yeah, but there is, there's definitely oh, this some isn't stuff. Either, but yeah, I mean, ayo. I... <laughs> but yeah, I just love it. Like when you take away and you have like, it kind of centers the book. I feel a lot of the time, and it gives it gives it a driving force. I like I haven't read a book with a low color, like a like a limited color palette that I haven't liked, and I probably read only like four or five. Um, that might also be why like i'm sure if top cow put out a book and they were like limited color palette here we go and it's like well maybe not but i don't know it's it's something that just makes my brain go like oh this is art this is yeah. this, this, this will be Honestly, good yeah like i don't know what it is about a limited color palette that makes my brain go this is high art like because it i think it represents such a restraint like because for me, it feels like you would want to like just color everything like the way that it's supposed to be. But when you limit yourself to one palette, you have to like pick and choose what you make, what values of a certain color. And uh, yeah, I, I feel like the the blues of this book are really good for like setting the mood and the tone for what is happening. Uh, and it's just it's used to great effect uh, throughout 
Yeah, I mean, to constantly have, like, the house at least, or at least parts of, of their house, like, shaded in, in in blue, I think, yeah, like, it's emotionally very evocative of what the vibes were in that house. Uh, so, I like, I think that it works in, in, in that sense. Um, the, like, you know, it it's, it's the kind of thing where when you have a limited color palette and you only use one color, like, to really highlight stuff it kind of doesn't like for me, it doesn't always work because just because like, I mean, not to do like, you know, basic bitch color theory or whatever, but like different colors evoke different emotions. And when you're only using one to like draw attention to certain parts of a page or a panel, you can only really use it to evoke certain emotions, which is fine for the purpose of this book. Um, but you know, and I, and I certainly like it. I, I just, I, I like that it's muted. It's very easy on the eyes and it, just because there's like nothing like super splashy. Um, but, you know, I like my, I, 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 I like my books colored in. <laughs> Sean Luke likes his coloring books. And that sort of reminds me of uh, the bit in the book where like Allison is trying to like color stuff in in like a coloring book and uh is it her dad who gets upset that like she's using the wrong color and yeah like uh I I'm like a child when it comes to this kind of stuff like I need you know flashy colors and and stuff like that I had a moment like that when I was a kid where I was like coloring in a picture and like I was coloring in with like fun colors not because I thought that it needed to be or or not that I thought that like because I was coloring in like an animal and I was using like non non real colors for it and my teacher was like what are you doing you need to be using like this color and I'm like I was just having fun have you ever seen a lion in real life your teacher that was literally that was like my teacher was like have you not seen a lion in real life it's not this color and I'm like I wanted have you I know it's not a real lion I mean, I guess, I guess the teacher could have gone to the zoo, but, like, that doesn't count. That's not... Well, Emily also could have gone to the zoo at that time, so... It's true. You know. And the way, that, the way that zoos treat animals, I'm sure well, there's a zoo that made, like, a pink lion day, you know? Like, <laughs> oh, fuck God. it. God. Uh, yeah, so we talked a little bit about the, like, recursive nature of the narrative. Uh, Bechdel herself has described the structure of Fun Home as uh, sort of like a labyrinth, which is uh, the, the like, mythological story of uh, the Minotaur and the labyrinth is something that comes up uh, as one of the literary references. Uh The book sort of goes over the same material, but starting from the outside and spiraling into the center of the story. Uh, How did you guys feel about that as like the structure for uh, the book? Uh, It was my least favorite part of the book. I was going to say, Alex, I know that you were not particularly a fan. If it's not linear, I don't understand it. So that's just (laughs) just me. Uh, No, yeah, I don't know. It's just like, and maybe also, you know, just talking about how the colors were all sort of, you know... um, a very you know only a couple only a couple of color the, the tones and all that and it's sort of like totally the same throughout that like when you go to somewhere new or go to the past or go to the future or go you get new information it's sort of like but it still look, kind of looks the same it's my brain is just like what why okay yeah i i get that it, it could have been useful to maybe like do different uh different eras of uh life in different colors to sort of like 
Like the Taylor Swift eras to her. Yeah, just like the Taylor Swift eras. Did you guys find like it um, that like the, the going back and forth and that stuff like elevated the story? Did you guys like oh, enjoy I love that it. kind of yeah. stuff? Yeah, I I I love it here. Um, I I think I particularly like you know normally I my my idiot baby brain is like you know astonished when it's like a book will show me something and then recontextualize it later and my i'm just like oh my god that's like so cool how how did you do that uh but but particularly in the case of this book i think that it it feels very reflective of what it's like to sort of live through something and then years down the line reevaluate that experience absolutely like the like the way that at the beginning this book presents like her coming out to her parents and then her dad dying and her her how she experiences those it feels like the first time you see them it's very like in the moment like the very like the in the moment feelings that she has about it and the like relative like lack of information because you know there's things that she didn't know and there's things that like in the moment you're not thinking of um and then to see those like come up again sort of towards the end of the book in chapters six and seven, I think does make for does specifically because this is an autobio, uh, make the book more like a more rewarding reading experience because it's like you have gone through the same thing. Like you've gone through that she she's taking you on like that similar journey. Um, that like, you know, you I recognize that like from, you know living through things and then looking back on them 15 years later or whatever, or 10 years later or whatever, like you have like such a different perspective on them and you have so much more information that like the way that she talks about like rewriting things that happened in the past, like she doesn't know for sure that her dad killed himself. She doesn't know for sure that her dad was like gay as opposed to like bi or some other like form of being, being queer, but she like thinks of him in that way. And she sort of has like, retconned it because of her experience to to be that way and use that to like inform things that happened in the past uh i think like that stuff is really uh is really meaningful and the way that like there's certain things that do get held back like because at the beginning of the book it kind of plays it off like specifically like, to go back to like when her dad dies it kind of plays it off that like she didn't see him between uh him between her coming out and him dying. And then at the, at the end, you get to see like the last few times that you saw him that actually do happen in between those. And it just makes that, it, it really adds more weight to, to that moment where like she gets to, she gets back to him, you know, being killed in the, in the accident or killing himself as you know, she, she would believes to have happened. Yeah. And you know, I don't want to like, I don't want to try to claim that like re-examining things from your past is some sort of uniquely queer experience, but like I can say as a queer person that like there is a lot of like growing up and going back and like reevaluating like little things that seemed insignificant in your childhood and realizing that it is sort of making a pattern of like how your life would turn out there were a lot of things <laughs> there were a lot of things that uh Bechdel talks about in her childhood uh in sort of like her budding queerness that w spoke very true to me and like there's something I feel like even if it is like maybe uh, in some ways like a non-ideal uh, form of telling the story for some people like 
it is sort of a quintessential queer experience to like recontextual recontextualize things from your past or from the past of people around you that like you understand through a different lens now and i think that like the use of that in this book is really like i think it's just a really good like emblematic thing of like you know like a queer life experience for this book i also think yeah i also think that like some of what alex was saying about it being confusing is and obviously like if it's confusing it's confusing but it part of it is at least somewhat intentional because some of those things are confusing in the moment and then you know later on you have you looking back on them with like the full context or yeah, I mean, to be fair, I like, yeah, like I've read this book once and like, I'm sure like reading it again, like the confusion is like, we'll, we'll feel more, like you said, more, um, you know, more on purpose and stuff like that. And I'm not saying it didn't feel on purpose, but it was still like, you know, doing that. Yeah, I mean, like for a lot of this book, her, like her frontal lobe was not fully developed. And then by the time she wrote it, it was so, you know, like I, it also I took her eight years to do this book. So like, I'm sure there was some like, you know. I was trying to make a Suicide Squad joke about that, but I don't think it took them eight years to make Suicide Squad. <laughs> God, I hate you. Oh, this, uh, actually, one thing. Sorry. No, no, no. Uh, you go. To go back to the color palette thing earlier, um, I and this is like I, this is like probably not really an intentional thing, but I found it really interesting that it uses blue as the color, uh, because specifically because I think that in a lot of ways this book is very. Uh, well, it's very Lynchian, I think. And I think of that, it, like, it's sort of the opposite because I think of, like, Lynch as, like, using a lot of reds. Although that's probably just because the stills of um, Twin Peaks that go around all the time. Yeah. But even in, like, even in, like I don't know, Mulholland Drive and stuff. Um, it's, it's interesting well, that, like, that... Blue Velvet. Well, there is Blue Velvet, which, yeah, is my, my favorite Lynch movie. But, you know, you know like... Keep, keep going, keep going. Anyway, yeah. I guess that, you know... But anyway, my point was that I, I do... I, I found that kind of interesting, that, like, that interplay kind of interesting. Just because I think that, like, thematically, this is doing a lot of, like, the same stuff that Lynch is doing. I, I think that, like, in terms of what this book is actually about and sort of the, like, repressed sexual desire that undergirds like a lot of uh american small towns and suburbia which is like what blue velvet is about and i haven't seen twin peaks but it's what that's about it's kind of what mulholland drive is about and long highway as well right like and this is very similar to me and which is which is part of like why and part of why i think it's so compelling to put those into into conversation with one another is that you know a lot of this it's a theme that you see get explored a lot in fiction and i think it's interesting to see it like actually explored in an autobiographical uh context of like actually like making it very literal like what's going on you know it's not like you know you see it a lot in slashers where it's like you know jason is like the sort of literalized revenant or jace jesus christ michael myers is sort of like the literalized like revenant of like punishment for for those uh like for those sexual desires that are those repressed sexual desires uh, hey, jason also jason also but i said halloween and then said jason oh, so yeah fair my, my horror cred is just ruined Ooh. this is like but i like that this is like t- takes it from a much more literal angle by virtue of being an autobio uh, because like her dad is like a very real figure, you know, he's not like the, the, the weird guy from lost highway or, or some masked serial killer. He's just like a guy who, you know, 
has sex with teenagers, which is fucked up, but also like, and that it's also like one of the main conflicts of the book that I think is like really compelling the way that Bechdel investigates it, that like, you know, she kind of feels bad for him, but also like he was, he, he wasn't like a great father and also like clearly not a great person, but also like you can, she sympathizes with him because like, you know, obviously his experience is like a closeted gay man probably really sucked. You know, it's, it's like that interplay is like really compelling. And it's like, it, it, it's very like surprising in a lot of ways to read an autobio that actually engages with that because a lot of the time, like, you know, biography and autobiography is like just a way that people use to like self aggrandize themselves. So to see one that is like really like gets its hands dirty and like he's down in the mud in the muck of like how complex like human relationships are, I think is like really compelling uh, to see something that's like to read something that's like that honest. Uh, and not that there hasn't haven't been literary works that are honest, but even then, like a lot of them are like sort of hidden behind like layers of like f- layers and layers of fiction that like, and that's like kind of what an element of this book too, that like you have to like peel back the layers and layers of fiction to get at what like James Joyce and F Scott Fitzgerald and all those guys were like actually writing about. And with this, you don't, because it's just like, you know, we're just doing an autobiography. Um, I, which I, so I, which I think is like, makes it a really compelling really compelling read and something that like still now I, I can't think of many things that are similar to it in, in that yeah I uh, do you do you think that uh Bechdel's obsessive use of real life photos and documents as reference uh does that do you feel like that gives fun home a, a more of a sense of authenticity than it might have had otherwise uh yeah i mean i don't i don't, I don't I, yeah i don't think it definitely doesn't hurt and also i mean on john luke's point about like the way that she um you know portrays her dad and like paints her dad as you know it's again it's not just being like oh he was a great guy it's like oh he was he he was a pretty you know he had he had his a lot of problems but he also was like in a lot of pain and there's like this is experience and she sees himself in it and i think like it's a very human portrait of him. There, there's very little in here that I'm like, I don't think, like, I never had a moment where I was like, oh, I didn't think this happened. Or I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. There, there, like, there wasn't even really that going on. Um, the James and Giant Peach one was kind of funny. I, I I don't know if it was that exact moment that it happened. If it did, that, that's that's even funnier. So, And none of it is trite either, right? Like, I, I, I like that there's no attempt at, like, you know, we're gonna, we have to come up with, like, a resolution to, to all of this. Because, like, part of the... And and seemingly part of her writing it was like working through a lot of that, and you know that all doesn't always like end in something that's easy, like an an easy conclusion. So I like, it, you know, it's hard to say that it's like enjoyable to read an author like lay themselves bare to that degree because obviously there are parts of this book that are really uncomfortable to read, especially and even more so knowing that like they're real things that happened, uh, even if you know maybe they happen that way only from her perspective whatever but like they're real things that actually happen like there's a voyeurism to that that is like really uncomfortable but it is also like it is just like but that it's it's for the same reason it's like really a really compelling read right um because it is you know so real and raw and i think definitely like it wouldn't be like that if it didn't work in so many specifics right like 
And th- that goes back to the point I made at the beginning where I think part of what makes this book so successful, this book is most successful when it's doing like the scrapbooking stuff, like recreating all of those like images of like recreating the house, the house and the pictures and everything. Like all of that, I think is super important to like really detailing like what her experience was growing up. Um, and like without those, it, 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 like without that sort of scene setting, I don't think it would have the same impact. Um, because so much of this book is her like unpacking like those things that happened to her, like her dad being like super obsessive about like what the house looked like. And, you know, that requires her to render the house as it was, you know? And so that I think is like extremely important to the story. Yeah. And, and I think it like the last page was probably my favorite one of the whole thing, the way like it, it ties it together in a way where it's not like, and then we lived happily ever after, after he might've killed himself. I think he killed himself. Not really quite sure, but it's like a, it's a very, like, it's a nice summary of like the, you know, it, it goes back and it, it references, uh, what does it reference? Oh, it's like Icarus, you know, you know, flying too close to the sun, then falling in the sea and then being like, you know, my dad did that, but you know, if he didn't do that, he wouldn't be there to catch me when I leapt. And I was like a really, a really nice poignant kind of, kind of ending to do it on. It's also in a pool and the whole thing's blue. So that's just, you know. Wow. Fantastic. This isn't really a question, but it is just something that I found really fascinating about the book is um, Bechdel comes to the conclusion that she and her father were essentially trying to express their respective desires for masculinity and femininity vicariously through each other. And I don't know, like, it's just, it's a very interesting sort of, I hesitate to say twist because that makes it sound like this is like a, you know, a a fictitious uh, relationship, but like it, it's an interesting version of like a parent trying to live vicariously through their child. And then also like the child trying to live vicarious or not like trying to live vicariously through the parent, but trying to like express something that she feels the, uh, the parent is lacking. I don't know. I just, I found it a really interesting uh, part of their like father child dynamic. I mean, it is a, it is obviously an inversion of what we think of the cert, that stereotypical dynamic. Inversion. But it is, you know, a very American experience of like parents feeling like their children exist solely as like extensions of themselves that they get to like mold however they want. And not America, but like, I would say particularly like Western cultures, especially like have a lot more like you within the Anglosphere. Yeah. The Anglosphere. There we go. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I think that that's like a very typical experience. So it would like, it totally tracks for me that like, you know, her, her father would try to, you know, like having a daughter would be convenient to him because it would let him like live out the more feminine side of himself in way, in a way that like he socially just couldn't do publicly, which is kind of like, I don't know. I feel like there are a lot of parents who are like that uh not, not not specifically those circumstances but like you know in in other ways oh yeah i mean like i my mom like tried to uh you know make try or not try tried to encourage me to be be and present in a more feminine way uh in my youth so i i definitely 
related to a lot of like they can't you just like wear something nice and wear like a necklace with pearls on it or something and being like no yeah and then you know and there's also a matter of like sometimes it's like you know parent had a shitty childhood and then their whole thing is like i don't want you to do the same thing and you know maybe part of it for the dad was like i want you to be like completely like more no problem. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Just be like a more conventional child. Gender and not, conforming. And not have to go through what I'm, you know, been going through every day of my life kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can absolutely see that. Uh, see that being like part of his motivation. Because that's, that's a very normal. Uh, I mean, like my, my name is Emily because my mom had a name that was uncommon when she was growing up. So she didn't want her children to like have people mess up their names so she picked like one of the most popular names for the year like so i definitely daenerys yeah daenerys that's my real name well if you've been born 10 years later it might have been or 15 years later it might have been i was born in the wrong era oh no (laughs) my parents did not have that concern john luke is kind of a normal name in france he's a freak (laughs) like like jean and then it's like it's, no, it's a I, cool name yeah, St- star trek did numbers for you though so and um i guess i only really have one question left which is uh of course the fun home was adapted into a stage musical in 2013 do you think you would ever watch it does the story seem like it would adapt well to the stage uh i will never watch it the reasons are obvious. I don't like musicals. Uh, but yeah, shocking, right? Nobody's ever, nobody would know that about me that I don't like musicals. Uh, I saw Singing in the Rain in theaters for the, I, I saw it for the first time a few weeks ago in theaters, and it was like, I, I thought it was fine, but I was like so miserable. When I was very surprised when I saw you tweet about that, and I have been resisting the urge to just, uh, I, I, I went to see I, I have to see it because, you know, it's like one of the greatest movies of all time. So I feel like I felt like an obligation to see it when my theater was playing it. But sure. like I it's, it's cool to see old theaters or old movies. Was it part of your um, subscription too? you get to see it for free? No, 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 no. Well, I did get to see it for free, but the, that theater did uh, free movies for the week of spring break. Uh, so like there were four free movies a day and that was, that was one of the first ones. But anyway, I do think it would adapt well to a musical because I feel like, like, I feel like you could like, I don't know. It feels like a weird thing to adapt. Like it, it at first blush feels like a weird thing to adapt to a musical, but there is like a lot of drama and I feel like you could write some fun songs, uh, out of it, but I would not care well, to see them. This wouldn't really work just because of production times and, you know, there's no musical out right now, but Riverdale could have done a, you know, an episode about it. They definitely would have. Kevin would have been, been in it for some reason. Really he would have, you know. I mean, like yeah. it would not have shocked me if they did given their other picks for musical episodes, but American uh, psycho just, well, you know that, that was a bold one. Well, that I mean, uh, Roberto Guerrero worked on American. Yeah, Psycho. that's like. <laughs> oh, I lie. didn't. I didn't know that. Oh actually. yeah, like he, he worked on American Psycho the musical, so he had like, that guy. That guy loves his own work like a lot. <laughs> oh boy, you know what? When you when you're the, when you're the showrunner on Riverdale, you should love your own work that much. He's truly so indulgent in a way that, like, I can't help but sometimes respect. 
Oh, I, I have a deep respect for that man and what he's done for the medium of television. I met him at New York Comic Con, and John Luke was too cool to be there. I was there. You, were you at the Archie panel? Was he nice? Oh, well, no. But I was yeah, at he's New really York nice. Comic-Con. Oh, yeah. That's no, I know. You, you just did a couple. I, I'm, sure you were, I'm sure you were covering something very important for the website we were doing. But I got the Archie panel. I got to see Chip Zdarsky and Robert Aguirre Sacasa. I was like, oh, my gosh. Uh, but yeah, I, I actually, I thought about um there is like a bootleg of this musical very easy to find on the internet and i was gonna watch it i just didn't get around to it uh but i'm it I'm seems probably, very emily Cord. i'm gonna watch it's it at some like, point because yeah it is very emily Cord to take a lesbian graphic novel and turn it into a musical uh but i i did not do that in preparation for this so maybe i'll report back at some point and that's all our questions. We don't have any We have more one questions. more question. No? We have a call in. Um, Chad from Wisconsin, Michigan. Does the Suicide Squad pass the Bechdel test? Chad, go watch the film. We're not going to watch the film. I'm trying to remember if it passes the Bechdel test. Well, okay, so Katana talks to her sword, which is the soul of her dead husband, but not about... Oh, husband. I don't know. I... Well, but there's no, sorry, sorry. What I meant was there's other souls trapped in the sword. So like, as much as like she was talking to her husband, there were other, there, but, I think she, but I think in the comics, at least the, the movie's unclear about this, but in the comics, she really only talks to her dead husband through the sword. Oh no, no, no. Really in Anne Nonsetti's, um, uh, you know, award-winning uh, run okay, on well, Katana, that, so. she just, she just like cuts up a bunch of people and it's like a whole family's in her sword for the arc. And they're all like, get us out of here. And, and she's like, you're dead. And they're like, what? That's crazy. No, this um, does not count. I'm, tr- not count. I'm trying to remember if Enchantress and Harley Quinn ever talked to each other about anything. They might have a back and forth line. I they might have a little... I don't think they do. I don't think, so. I don't think they even talk to each other. Nope. The more I think about it. I don't it. think so. Oh, you know what? Does Amanda Waller giving giving Harley Quinn her mission count as passing the Bechdel test? I'm sorry. The film ultimately fails to pass it because men are mentioned in the conversation between... Harley and Enchantress do have a conversation, but it is about... The gosh darn jonker. Um, uh, yeah. I, I apologize to Emily and uh, everyone else listening for this little diversion, but um, unfortunately. I don't feel like you're really sorry. <laughs> How about the Suicide Squad? Oh, it passed. Three out of the three tests. James Gunn. Best pick, but no Oscar. So. Hey, do you guys hear that sound? That's the sound, the sound of, of the Doomsday Squad clock. winning an Oscar. This is the sound of the Doomsday Clock uh, signaling it's time for our first ever Cry Space. This is a new segment that we are introducing into the show where we uh, highlight one thing that made us cry this week. And we've already mentioned it, so I'm going to go first. My Cry Space is that I got to meet Chad in person and it was wonderful. We went. And uh, we went to a Cajun-themed bar in La Crosse, and I had some gumbo, and it was actually pretty decent, speaking as someone who eats uh, seafood and Cajun food uh, pretty regularly down here uh, in the South. And uh, I had a... uh, I had a beverage that was called a category five hurricane might be a little insensitive, but you know, it's fine. Uh, it was, it was delicious. Uh, Chad had a Guinness, I believe. And, uh, a, a case chicken quesadilla off of the appetizer menu. And, uh, 
we had a great fun time. We walked down uh, in the area near where the restaurant was that we ate. Uh, you could also go see the Mississippi River. So we walked down there uh, and where that's where we took a picture together. And it was a great fun time. And I got to meet Chad's cat, Ripley. Uh, Ripley. And I, uh, I got to see his uh, Warhammer minifigs in person, uh, which are adorable and actually like look really good. Not that they didn't look good in pictures, but it's just like, it's really impressive to see something with like little tiny details that somebody painted with a little tiny paintbrush. Um, so yeah, that's my cry space. Uh, it brought me such joy that it brought tears to my eyes. And uh, I hope one day everyone gets to see quick trip in person and chad's warhammer minis yes we did talk about how uh we we need to have a whole group trip so that we can uh we can all get drunk <laughs> and and hang out what about you guys what what's going to make you cry this week everything okay <laughs> gonna be more they um, killed my favorite character in Succession, the man that oh. I idolized and looked up to. No, <laughs> I'm sorry, Jean Luc. You shouldn't be. I'm sorry. I'm sure he was a great man. He was. A, he was a great man, and a, even more importantly, Logan Roy man. was a man, and now he is dead. He sounds like he was a patriarch. <laughs> yeah, patriot. Like, yeah. Wow. <laughs> We're gonna have a we're gonna have a two minute moment of silence now. <laughs> it's really good for podcasting. <laughs> He's dead. <laughs> Seriously, um, I re- I have been losing it with laughter this season of Riverdale. Yes, uh, I I haven't actually cried of laughter yet, but uh, episode three has some moments that just. I did watch the first episode. I'm still working on is, it. Is three the, the sex one? Uh, four is the sex one. Uh. Well, three and four are both the sex ones, kind of. But I, uh, yeah, they're very funny. Uh, they're kind of just playing the hits, but the hits are, when the hits are that good. The hits hitting, hey. baby. Uh, when you're on season seven. Yeah, it. episode three. To be clear, out for Alex's sake, episode three is the like sex party episode, and episode four is the fallout of the sex party episode. Uh, okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. 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 That's good stuff. Um, my space for crying is also miniature related. Uh, because we went to I threw a bachelor party for a friend, and um, as we're as we're doing our lot, we, we ended up getting rained out because he's a, he's a big car guy. So I we, we booked an exotic car thing where he's about able to drive in all the exotic cars for like three hours and do a trip, and his like Lamborghini and stuff or whatever. So that didn't happen because of rain, um, but we got to go eat and stayed at a hotel, and then there we are eating Thai food, and there's a store and it just says Warhammer on it, and I'm like, oh, oh yeah, oh yes, this will be a cheap. A cheap detour, I'm sure. So then, <laughs> so then I I learned they have Lord of the Rings Warhammer. Um, so oh I have, wow! I have the dead Ghost King man, and then his two his two little stooges that I'm gonna paint. Uh, oh, yeah, while I was hanging out with Chad, we walked into like a comic shop and a hobby store down by the where the place where we ate, and uh, we looked at like some some Warhammer minifigs and stuff I, like that. It was delightful. I do think it's really funny that they've changed the name of all the games workshop stores to just be Warhammer 
Like, yeah, that's that's. I was talking awesome. to the lady working there, and she's like, "Yeah, it's a little less confusing. We have people come in here and are like, do you guys have chessboards? And like, you guys have like, you guys have Yahtzee? And they're like, no, yeah. we don't have that. Like, do you want to buy an orc for $60? And it's like, well, probably not. You want to buy one of these cool books with like awesome lore about guys who kill you with the power of Limp Biscuit? It's pretty cool. Uh, I will say the other cry space is that I might be, someone might be teaching me Magic the Gathering uh in oh. a week that is a cry that is a cry space so it's, 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 it's the commander format Wait. so i hear that's that's cheaper that's like you could do some you know it's kind of oh. like whoever told you it's cheaper is fucking crazy well, it, <laughs> they say it's cheaper and it's more like beginner friendly as opposed to like playing oh whatever is really misleading you oh god I, I, i'm sorry to say uh but if you want to learn how to play the uh the most godly uh, tabletop game known to man. You can hop on and watch me and Roshan draft in the Discord. I've watched you guys way. draft in the Discord, and I have no idea what the <laughs> fuck you guys are doing. Because half the time, it's you guys are just you guys are just going back and forth, and this, yeah. Dude, one time I watched my wife play Magic: The Gathering, and I had no fucking idea what was going on. Everyone was dead silent. Oh, it was only the sound of like flipping cards on the table, and I had no idea what was going on. It's it's actually a really easy game to understand, but. I think teaching somebody how to play with what is probably, well, it is the most popular format, but it is also the most complex format is Commander? insane to me. Yeah. Because it's four players rather than two. And it has, it uses the entire magic card pool. So like not just cards from like the last two years, but cards from the last yeah. like 30. So there's like a lot of like really convoluted, like, combos you gotta know a lot yeah that that like really break and i mean there's a way to play it that's more casual so hopefully it goes well because i'm guessing it's more casual it was also like i have one friend who's playing like modern and he like he spent like thousands of dollars on cards modern modern is a dog shit format that i've invested thousands of dollars right see the friend was john luke i was trying to keep him i was trying to keep him (laughs) anonymous but didn't quite work Um, well modern used to be good but i can't get into why it sucks now it's no no longer modern it's good I always enjoy having more friends who play Magic the Gathering and get brain rot like me. Hmm. <laughs> well, go 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 stream the Suicide Squad and check out my our Twitters for our fan cams. Um, anyway, if you want to follow Shark. the show on Twitter, you can do that. Uh, who else is in there? Harley Quinn. At Crying Book Club. Uh, you can rate and review us five stars on Polka your podcast Man. platform of choice. But mostly uh, Apple Podcasts, I R- think, is Rick the, Flag. Only, the only place that that's really important. John Luke Botville can be found on Twitter Peacemaker. at Liker uh, and on Letterboxd at JL Botville. Alex Amanda Waller. Found on Twitter at Alex Hansiek. I can be found on the internet on Twitter at Mpandanata, Letterboxd. Who's that guy Twitch that was dating Kim Kardashian? And uh, the following podcasts, Imagine P- Me Pete and Ichina, the Fresh Podcast Market, and That Looks Terrible. And, and Starro. Join us for next episode when we read the controversial Gender Queer. Yeah, we're celebrating the 4th of July by uh, reading the most banned book in America. Can we do Doomsday Clock, which is the book that should be the most banned book in America? Maybe a little, <laughs> little after that. I'm against book bannings unless it's the work of Jeff Johns, in which case I'm for it.
Yes, that was Please tell me we got that on the recording. <laughs> oh, I think we did. Oh, great. I'm going to need that for the Discord soundboard. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, I, I just saw the soundboard yesterday. Uh, it's been so long. Oh, did you really? Did you not see all the stuff? we? Okay, yeah. No, but it's it's great. It's great what they've done with that little yeah. old Discord. You know what's crazy? Is that Emily uh, visited Chad. That's no, we're cool. going to talk about it. Okay, good. Trust me, we're going to talk about it. Good, good, good. Does it tie What's the, the crazy book? thing that Emily visited Chad? That's the whole thing. Yeah, like oh, okay. I don't know. That is crazy. Like I know Emily we got leaves. confirmation Chad's real. I know that that's the real thing. I mean, I, I know Actually, Emily leaves our house, but like, I guess to be fair, neither of us know that Chad or like they could still not be real to us because we've never actually seen either of them. Emily like, sent me like letters a couple of times, and those can't be forged. So that well. They're very nice. Okay, yeah, I guess that's true. You can't forge that kind of enthusiasm. You wouldn't nope. want to. 